Don't just blame it on me. It's not all Who me. else do I blame it on? The guy that says, welcome to the Metacast? And then stops. And then, oh, shake sh- and bake. Welcome to the intro. I'm Josh Anderson, and I'm Bob Galen. Uh, first off, on the uh, on the intro, we want to we want to go through some sponsors. Uh, uh, Techwell is one, is one of our sponsors. Uh, used to, uh, uh, what did they used to be called? I for, uh, I, for, uh, I only know them as Techwell. Yeah, they changed. I'm the, not quite as old as you, Bob. Yeah, it does. It does age me. Forget that line. So so Techwell <laughs> runs conferences. Uh, Star. East and West are testing conferences, uh, agile development, better software, and uh, DevOps. Right. So it's are three there. conferences in one. Three conferences in one. So you get a lot of bang for your buck. For the same price. It is. It's the same price. They they run an East and a West every year. Uh, east, uh, the West is in the uh, summer, uh, mm-hmm. so June usually in Vegas. And coming up, the one that's that's next up. Uh, there's actually two next up. There's a uh, Star West. Is in Anaheim in October, uh, and look to Techwell for that. And then there's Agile Development, uh, best like we said that three tracks. Agile there's Development, Better Software, and DevOpsy. So all in, in one in November in Orlando. It gives you a one stop shop whether you're adopting or you have adopted and you're trying to take that next step. Yeah, there's classes and courses that across the spectrum of needs that are out there. Now, the really cool news is they're a sponsor, but we also have a discount code for you all. Absolutely. A new discount code. So you've listened to us before. Ignore the last, the old discount code. The new discount code is... MC20. Mike Charlie 20. (laughs) Did I I get it right, Josh? Yeah. MC20. So that gets you 20% off any four or five day conference package in addition to the super to, early bird to they have su- and they do a great right. job of like super early birds early birds and right. stuff like that plus this is off the top uh, and they have different packages you can get so take a look at techwell look at the different conferences um, Josh and I are speaking in November at mm-hmm. the one in Orlando I typically speak at the start I, I t- typically speak at, at most of their conferences mm-hmm. uh, stop by say hi oh the difference in in November is we're doing some Metacast, aren't we? Yep. Uh, remote virtual Metacast. So stop and say hi. Yep, so Techwell, absolutely. our friends at Techwell rock. Absolutely. Um, the other thing, we have a new sponsor that I just want to introduce them a little bit. We'll, we'll play more in the, in future Metacast called Agile Packs. There's a couple of guys in the Raleigh-Durham area, which is where we live, that came up with this notion of magnetic uh, sticky notes, like cards for task planning. Kind of like dry erase ones. Yeah, yeah, dry erase ones. It's a pretty cool idea, and they're just starting up. It's it's what I like is the entrepreneurship. Right. As much as the cards are cool, uh, seeing local folks who are agile coaches or agilist practitioners, mm-hmm. and then they're trying new things is cool. So, 
uh, we're talking to them and we're going to spot we're they're going to become a sponsor uh, and we'll talk about when we get the video going mm-hmm. uh, we, we can show you Which some we of the, have the camera we have the we're camera doing testing so it's coming yeah soon. so we'll be able to show you the agile packs and we have struck a, a sponsorship deal with them so more info to come and we'll get some links up on the uh, Metacast website <clears throat> yep uh, other than that get us feedback we've gotten feedback we're getting worldwide feedback. So Australia, we have a contingent of people do. Do. in Australia who are listening to us uh, as they're passing. We'd be happy to come visit. And yeah, yes, we <laughs> yes we would. Beer and shrimps on the Barbie man. And then did I say beer? You did say beer. Yeah. Well, I want yeah. I want more beer. So so yeah. In fact, one of them offered as they were. He was thankful. He said, "Yeah, come down. If you ever come down, uh, I'll get you real Australian beer. Yeah, not, not Foster's or something <laughs> like that." So the point is, uh, pass the Medicast around to your friends. We have we're making a difference. We're rippling around the world. Uh, we want your feedback, and please do your you know do your part in getting the word out there about the Metacast. I think we're we really are getting a lot of organic growth, mm-hmm. we are, word we of are. mouth growth, which is really cool. So we're getting consistent that. growth thanks to you guys, right? It doesn't just happen, right? It happens because you're talking to somebody at lunch, or on Reddit, or Twitter, or wherever you are, and somebody says, "Hey, I'm looking for a new podcast," and you're like, "Hey, I got this one, give it a listen." So that all is happening, all this growth is happening. Because of you folks that are listening out there helping us spread the message. So please keep doing that. It makes a huge difference. It helps us achieve our mission of just helping people get better in their software journey. I can't say on to the episode. On to the episode. Welcome to the Metacast. I'm Josh Anderson. And I'm <laughs> Bob Galen. Why the pause? I'm just being thoughtful, Josh. Oh, really? Yes. That's a first. Instead of having a stream of consciousness, I thought I would be thoughtful. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It's going to be one of those days today, Josh. (laughs) The pause pause is a little scary, isn't it? In case you're wondering, listeners, Bob is making fun of me. Because yesterday we spoke at a panel about the topic we're going to talk about today. And apparently I had some thoughtful pauses that he viewed in a mocking manner. (laughs) No, I didn't view them. (laughs) Enough of that. No, no, you were, I did not really, but you did have some, you were thoughtful and you, we were talking metacasters. We were doing word count comparisons because you know, Josh always gives me crap about talking too much. Uh, but I think Josh, I, your wife, my wife, listeners, pretty much anybody that's ever listened on the planet to the Earth who's yeah. who's above ground. <laughs> yes, yes, okay, that's a pretty wide community, isn't it? I'm just saying. Yeah, my children, yeah. my every relative. <laughs> okay, uh, but you held your own, and that's what we were talking about. You did. You you were. And don't like the way you say that. It's like way to go, little fella. Oh, I don't mean it like the little fella. <laughs> no, no, it's you held your own relative to you always whining about oh. not getting a word in edgewise. I've been working for seven years trying to get techniques in. You, for so, just so you jamming said, a word. So in. you you succeeded then, whiny head. Okay, you you put your <laughs> words in. All right, <laughs> whiny head. Yes, yes, you were a whiny head. All right. So so as Josh was saying, we were on a panel. There were six of us. Uh, at IBM, it, we were, it was an honor, all seriousness, honor to be invited. Absolutely. Uh, Eliasson Group put it on. 
Uh, it was about leadership management, uh, agile centric, but management versus leadership in agile contexts. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple IBMers were there. Josh and I were there. I don't even think they invited us as Metacasters. It was just sort of two folks in the area. Yeah, they asked me, and then once I found out you were on the panel, I tried to back out, but it you was did too late. Try to, it was too late. It See, was too late. You had to go mano o mano, yeah. and you lost. Well, and they told us not to sit next to each other. I If, if I'd have sat next to you, little fella, <laughs> I'd have been the little fella probably, yes. So we were talking about that. So we thought we'd take it into the Metacast. Uh, I have some questions. I, we didn't cover very many of his questions. The moderator published like nine or ten questions. We got to one or two of them, mm-hmm. and uh, it, and then the audience started kicking in. Yeah, uh, with audience questions, we were off. So I thought we thought we would just go down these and and sort of use them as uh, a springboard for continuing that conversation. Uh, so I'll 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 throw you a softball, Josh. Oh, thanks, Bob. You're welcome, little fella. What what role do middle managers play in the agile organization, Josh? So my response to that yesterday, I believe, was around the why. To me, that's the big difference when you transition from traditional command and control or waterfall or whatever you want to call it, is that you're basically telling your team this is what you're going to do. And they do it. They say, aye, aye, captain, and away we go. And it's a death march of sorts, depending on how things go. So that's the management. The, manage- that's the management, the, the side, management right. side of it, if right. you're managing, is it's all about you. You drive it. Uh, they actually, you grade them, mm-hmm. uh, right? So, you know, if they get A's or high performance evaluations, it's in the eye of the manager. If they fail and you fire them, it's in the eye of the manager. Right. Largely, right? right? Yep. Then the big shift that I see in moving into a leadership role, especially within an agile world, is you become focused on ensuring the teams understand why we're doing what we're doing. You want to really empower them with the information to make the right choices because you shift to a distributed decision-making model. And the only way for the right decisions to be made is for people to really understand the problem we're trying to solve, why we're doing what we're doing, and then you let that group of really smart people swarm on that problem and end up with a better solution than one brain could come up with. Now, I was thinking about this yesterday when you said that I'm not disagreeing. You and I've talked lately about this before, but I am disagreeing slightly with that concept. So what if they make the mistake? So I get it, right? We shift from telling to leading Mm -hmm. and we explain the why and explain the vision and let the team solve the problems. But not all teams have the capacity to effectively, let's be honest. Yeah, right? that's fair. Not all teams have that capacity to solve all problems. So the inmates can't always run the asylum. So I think leadership so has to, sometimes a leader has to go in there and even say, no, we're not going to go, we're not going to go to the left. We're going to go to the right. And this is why. Would you agree or disagree? With I that? do, but at that point, you're treating the symptom and not the problem. So, what's the problem? The problem is getting the right people on the bus. We talked about that yesterday. Of a large part of leadership, really leading a team is ensuring you have the right people on the bus that can do that, can do those things, want to do those things. Right? There's a lot of people that can do that don't want to operate like that, and they aren't going to be happy. So, to me, yes, there's times when you need to do that, but the long term solution is to understand how you help the team get there and you might be the problem 
maybe you didn't do a good enough job with education and explaining the why. So that's why I keep coming back to that is that's the, that's the origin. That's what you really have to work on. And yes, you're right. There's times when it might not work, but you've got to figure out what the root problem is. So at some point you're saying like in five years or 10 years or down the road, if we're leading effectively, then the leader would never have to step in never in a year and have to, I would never say never. But the intent is that that's how they operate on a regular basis. Yeah, there's going to be times when, and I've done it here a couple times where there's just, there's, there's two choices and there's really good opinions on both and we're just wasting time debating which one. So you stepped in. Both of them are going to work. So you stepped in. Right. And you helped the team. So what I'm, what I'm trying to poke at Josh is I think that's okay. Right. I, I think I don't think the just nir- can't be the norm. No, no, but the, but the Nirvana state is to never do that, right? I, I I think that's actually unhealthy. I want you to be part of your team. I want your team to perceive you as being part of the team, right? right? You're a partner, right? Now you can't dominate with that. It can't be ninety percent of the problem solutions come from you. Well, then yeah, you're back to command and control. But I I I don't know what the number is. There's no magic number, right? But I I want I. If I was observing, let's say you, so you're leading your team and I'm leading you, and mm-hmm. I was observing your behavior over a year, mm-hmm. and, and you were sort of, even if the team was really adept, I'd want you to be in the game. Right. I mean, like, I want Josh in the game. I mean, he's bright, he's capable, he's got experience. Like, you're a member of the team. Mm-hmm. From my point of view, it would be like, get in the game somehow, right? Get in, get engaged with the team. Uh, Agree completely. So at the dude, we had a couple of directors and they were really good and really smart and had great experience. And I didn't want them to just put that on the shelf. Exactly. And never bring it to value to the company. I would tell them you are here for a reason. Number one, you're a good leader, but number two, you have good experience in a space particular to the problem we're trying to solve. So engage and do that, but always come at it from a leadership angle. And, and, and question instead yes, exactly. of tell. Yes. Right. And there's different that ways. That was the you number can, one tool. You can, there's different ways to do it. That's, that's really the point I was trying to make is I, I want leaders. And I, and I know I, I, there's this party line, like a good scrum master should put themselves out of a job. Mm-hmm. I, I get that. A good manager should put themselves out of a job. They no longer need it, but, but not really. Right. There's, but there's that's a, the, that's the vision. It doesn't mean you ever get there, but as long as you're chasing that, then you're doing things with the right intention. But that's what I want. Chase it. But also give yourself permission. So right. I've seen so many people who are chased that and they behave that way. I gotcha. Okay. And then they disengage yeah. a little bit, right? And 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 their hearts are in the right place. And I'm like, no, no, you you count too. That's the point, right? right. You, your experience counts, but even forget that. Your mindset counts. You, you, I want leaders to go home at the end of the day feeling like, ah, I had a chance to contribute something, right? Right. Not just not just guidance. I had a chance to weigh in on a problem that I've solved a bunch of times. Uh, so that's the way they play. How did I answer? I think, I think I agree. It's, it's the why. It's what we're talking about, about that balance of knowing when to push, knowing how to answer, you know, ask questions, inspire the team. Uh, we, in the past, I'm sure we've talked about Shuhari related to this, like the experience of the team. And you alluded to it earlier. Mm-hmm. The experience of the team comes into play. Yeah. And I think that, that, that message, that's something that is powerful to talk about with the team. Of, hey, I'm trying to be engaged, but not be overbearing. Put it on the table, talk about it, discuss it. It's no different than when you over-architect something, right? You're, you're trying to do things for all the right reasons, but you've got to understand when enough is enough or when it's too far or when I'm, I'm shining things shinier than they need to be. 
right? Just, just, just let it happen. So get, get people to understand that we're all wrestling with the, finding the right balance. It's just that, that, that space in which we're trying to find that balance is a little bit different. Remember that there was a really cool discussion we had with Tom yesterday before the panel and we were talking or no, it was uh, Jim Grudner. I, and we were talking about, um, you know, people miss teams misinterpreting their leaders conversations. Yeah. And it comes back to what you were just saying. Uh, I'm re I'm amplifying it is setting the con I think leaders need to set the context. Like, what am I really asking for? Right. If I ask you like metrics data, if I'm curious, mm -hmm. so am I asking you to set up a dashboard the size of Montana right. and measure the micro co-check-ins, or am I just freaking curious? Right. Um, now, there were two sides of that. Teams very often over sort of react to leadership, leaders' questions or, lead, mm -hmm. or leaders' directions or just our language mm -hmm. or our body language even. I've had teams that right. even overreact to my body language. So it's incumbent on the teams to sort of not do that, but it's also incumbent on the leader to couch yeah. what they're like to check what they're saying. And I thought that was a pretty powerful conversation of the, they put it not just on the back of the team to say, Oh, we're self-directed, but the leader to, to actually give context with, no, no, I'm not, I'm not asking you to do a dashboard. I'm just asking a question or I am asking you to do a, to do a dashboard because the CFO needs information. Yeah. That's a big lesson I've learned probably in the past five or so years. And that was, you gave me that push over the edge to start really paying attention to it. And you tried to get me to understand that whether I wanted to believe it or not, my title carried a specific weight and people hear a VP asking for something and they behave differently than if they hear a peer asking for something. But I wanted to be perceived as a peer. And you were like, dummy, you're not. I know you want to be a part of the team and be engaged and help them do that. But you've got to understand that there's this this other angle at play that's there. So I've had to work really hard and learn to have those discussions and preface them with, okay, this is just me asking questions. I'm not saying we should go try and yep. have 10 meetings to solve a problem. This is just me trying to understand. Just help me understand. And that's it. Yep. That's it. Because there have been times, even here, where I've talked with folks and they've come from a different culture that when a VP says, hey, what do you think about this technology? What they translate translate that to mean based on their history is he's already decided we're going to use that technology. So, oh well. And Jim was Jim works at Fidelity, and he uh, clearly big company enterprise right. level company, and he observes that, and clearly that's part of the Fidelity or large company culture. Uh, I think the mis one of the mistakes you made is you think, well, I have a greenfield, I have a startup, right. I'm hiring all these people, and we're friends, and they look at you know, and they they'll say anything to me. But it's, it's the same thing. They've worked in other companies. Right. So they bring that. It's not even baggage. They bring that perspective of title matters, mm -hmm. uh, no matter no matter what we do, no matter right. how, how we say it. So small company, large company, it almost doesn't matter. Right. It's it's the title counts, and it can't be incumbent on the team to sort through that. Right, you that. can't put it on them. Right, you have to put it on yourself. And even repeat it. I think we said yesterday, you know, like say it seven times, yeah. or say it five times. Even if it feels like oh, I'm getting redundant, oh, it's, it's frustrating, blah, blah. You know, am I am I talking too much? I don't know if you can. No, because I think it gets in, it it fogs. It's like a fog that you have to cut through. Yeah, right? and and it's oftentimes you're doing something that's different than people's past, and the first time they hear it, they're just trying to process it. Like, did this guy just really say 
it's okay to do this. <laughs> and is he really serious or is he setting a trap or something like that just based on they've had a bad experience in the past and getting them to hear it multiple times and say, okay, yeah, this, this really is a safe place. I can really challenge him and I can really throw out ideas and they're going to be heard and valued and respected. Yep. But people have to unlearn habits from where they've been before. So those are the two things that specifically in the last five years that I've really spent a lot of time trying, trying to get better at is understanding everybody's path to here is different and helping them get to where we need them to be, but understanding that everybody's going to work the same way because they got here on a different path. I mean, an extension to that, and I don't, Medicasters, I'm not trying to beat it, we'll, we'll move on in a sec, but um, I think something you misunderstood slightly, I don't think it was a big deal, but it's like friendship. So do they, so there's the question of how do they react to me, react to me if they don't like me versus if they like me, mm-hmm. right? And very often folks don't like their, you know, traditional managers yeah. aren't loved. They're not necessarily beloved. They're right. tolerated, right? They, they're, they're operating from power. But then there's this thought, well, my people like me, right? Uh-huh. They, they talk to me. They, you know, we, we are social. We have fun together. So therefore they will, they won't look at my title. Right. And that, that's not. It didn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yep, it doesn't all. matter. In fact, it's worse. I, or at least I think it's worse that the more beloved you are, the, the more actually then people trying to please you comes into play. Oh, Josh, you know, I really like Josh and he said that. <laughs> so, right, yeah. so therefore I got to make that happen. I mean, they're actually, I mean, they're trying to delight you. So I, I think it's, it, that doesn't come into play either. Mm-hmm. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's actually not about what you're doing. Switching gears. Mm-hmm. This is one that we didn't talk about yesterday. Ooh. I think I lightly touched on something, but what performance criteria should agile leaders be measured on? I don't think we've ever talked about this directly in a Metacast. I might be wrong. I think we talked about metrics once or twice, but not no, specifically I, around leaders. No, leaders, leaders. Yeah. So I report, we're, we're leaders. I report to you. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Well, I should flip it around. How no, many times did you no. wash my car this week? Is that the is that the metric? <laughs> yeah. You hit an old man with and fresh donuts with bad knees. Not my problem, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Measurement doesn't care. <laughs> Screw you, Bob. Wash my damn car. I've told you the metrics. You just got to deliver and get me the donuts. I don't care how. Any particular kind of donut, sir. Just a good variety. No jelly. Right? I don't like no jelly. 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 No. Guess what you're going to get, sir. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Jelly in the middle, jelly on top. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're going to get some jelly on the card as well. Is <laughs> <laughs> what you're going to get. Uh, no, in all seriousness, how do we measure? And and you're in a better position because you've mm-hmm. you've had like the dude. You had leaders, so think about those conversations you had. So how? Uh, and two things. How do you measure them and give them feedback in like one on ones in coaching conversations? Yeah. And then how did you measure them maybe for formal performance reviews? What were what was the criteria that you were using? The big thing for me was getting to and maintaining predictability. Right? Try trying to get a group of people to and it's gonna sound terrible, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Say to, it anyway. To, to to be like a machine, right? Like you just give them features and they're going to knock out five every time and just, and you know, because then, then you can actually start to have some sort of plan of how you get from point A to point B and have confidence. And not only you have the confidence, but the team has it. So to me, it was always, can we build a process and hire the right people 
It gets us to predictability as often as possible. There's going to be fluctuations. People leave teams, new things change. You're in a new space. You got to figure things out. But how quickly can you get somebody to assemble a group of people and give them a process that they can get to a steady state? And it's not just delivery. I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth, but there are more questions. Mm -hmm. So it's not just story point predictability. It's quality predictability. Yeah. So it's multivariant predictability. Yeah. It would be points. It would be quality. Right. Would you even count like the joy of the team, like how they got there yeah. as well? So they, right. You have to keep a pulse on just the general happiness of the team because if they're not happy, someone's going to leave and then the predictability is out the window. Right. Right. So you're trying to maintain a system, right? The enterprise architect at the dude and I were always on this opposing end of he wanted systems to be very ordered and I liked a little bit more chaos, right? So those were at odds, but they both kind of work. So it was nice to have the two of us coming at it from, right. from, from different points. We challenged each other a lot and landed in good spots, but you really are trying to assemble a system that turns out really good, high quality code that customers want. So I like that. I mean, in this team, you didn't say it directly, uh, but strongly implied it's, it's not, you're not measuring the manager Right. You're measuring the manager's influence on the system, the team or teams, and then the performance of the teams. Right. And that's where I would go. I, I would look at, you know, as a leader, if I've measured like architects who were leading architecture, it, I've moved from historically in waterfall, I'm, you know, you measure them as an architect in a silo to you measure how they deliver architecture through the organization. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's more, it's instead of it being like using that T-shaped thing, Instead of it being uh, vertical, it's like horizontal influence. Yeah, and and the same thing with leaders. And there's so much that goes into predictability of: is the backlog healthy? Is the team healthy? Is the product healthy? All of those things that you've got to keep a pulse on. There's so many indicators. Well, it's hiring. Yeah. It's, it's hiring, firing, performance feedback. I mean, there's the team dynamics as well, yeah. right? Just interacting with the team. Do I have, do we have a healthy team? Right. And not just looking at the scrum master and saying, that's your job right. to coach the team, right? Right. And then the things that I would look for and that we talked about is, okay, we're really good and we have it to where we can onboard a brand new team from scratch and they're to predictability in six months. So we can start from nobody on the team to everybody on the team and they're running at a reasonable, predictable pace in six months. Is there anything we can do to make it four months or three months or five months or anything different or have we tapped out? So always looking at things we can do to make that happen more effectively. I mean, the thing I said yesterday, and I mean it, it's hard to measure, is the behavior. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like outcomes. You know, there's this notion of don't measure things in process, but measure the outcomes. Measure uh, predictability would be an outcome mm -hmm. or, you know, feature value, the delighted customers would be an outcome. Uh, to me, an outcome of leaders would be how are they behaving? Uh, the other thing that is, and I said it again yesterday, but it's like, I, what's more interesting to me is how you handle yourself under stress. Yeah. So are you walking your talk? Well, that's where, you, that's where people's true character really comes out. Right, right. How do they operate when the chips are down right. and everything's against them? That's when you really find out who people are and who people aren't. And, it, and the, the strong things in Agile are principles. And yeah. to me, principles, they they shouldn't vary. 
Uh, so, but how do you test it? How do you measure it? Well, you know, under stress, then you see if folks, I mean, right. it's easy to say you're principled. It's easy to say right. you're agile. But if I, if we put pressure and there's pressure in software organizations all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was the thing at the dude. I never really observed you that way. I sort of heard or sensed it, but I'm sure there was pressure at the dude. Yeah. And I think you pushed back on that. I mean, mm-hmm. my sense of you at the dude is you put like a protective, and I'm not trying to, blow positive smoke at you or anything but i think you put this and it was your job to put this protective envelope around the team and to push back on all of that pressure mm-hmm. to create and it goes back to i'm creating a system mm-hmm. i'm protecting the system right that that you're but that that's hard under pressure to do yeah. that right it's so you can test that when you know we've nailed every date for the last week yeah and and it's so easy to have great culture when everything's running smoothly yeah. and to have the right responses. Anybody can have a positive attitude when everything's going good, but do you have a positive attitude when things are going bad? That's the real measure. That's the real test of that character of are, are you going to maintain who you are in the trying Exa- times? Exactly. I mean, I remember you got a new boss there, I think, at one point. Mm-hmm. And, and I never said this to you, but I was I was – Again, it, I'm not trying to say that I'm observing you or stuff. I'm, I'm not a spy. Sure. But I was interested in how will you handle, right. indirectly, how will you handle the new guy coming in? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't know anything about him, so he could be good or bad. But it's it's the system has now been interrupted by mm-hmm. a new, right? There's a new leader in the organization. Uh, and a lot of people say agile, and they really don't know agile. So my yeah. assumption was probably not a perfect agilist mm-hmm. coming in and mm-hmm. putting some of that reverse pressure on Josh. And I was just curious, oh, gosh, how is that going to work out? It was more empathy towards you because yeah. it's like, you know, the bubble, there's probably going to be turbulence in the bubble, <laughs> right? To yeah. some degree. Yeah. So how does it, you said something about decentralized decision-making and I was poking at that. Um, so, but how does an organization, this is one of the questions Transition to decentralized decision-making model to make better, timelier decisions. Um, what do you think? So it so it goes back to and and Jim did a really good job of talking about how the people that are closest to the problem are most likely to have the best answers. So at Teradata, this was a big argument I got into with the VP that you and I both both reported to was we had this weird sizing things where things would we take it to the team and they get sized and we'd come back and we say, Hey, okay, here's, here's what we think it is. And the VP would be like, Nope. That thing that they say is an eight is really a two. And here's why. And I would say, no, the team said it's an eight. And he's like, no, it's a two. I'm telling you it's a two. And you need, you need to be able to tell me, you need to be able to suck it up and right. make it a two. You have to be able to tell me why it's an eight instead of a two. I said, I don't know. Right. And I'm not going to know. Because the people out there that write the code, that write the tests, that run the tests, that do all those things know way better than I'll ever know about how long it takes to build that. And that's, that's the way I operate. He's like, well, that's not good enough. I said, well, then maybe I shouldn't be here. Right. But that, that's what I really believe that I'm never going to know as much as they know. Right. So that's, so that gets back to, a lot of the stuff we talked about yesterday was really trusting and trusting. Well, and levels. Those Jim, people. Jim brought up Jim brought up yeah. this level of, of distract, organizational levels or tiers, and you know the further you are, so very often the most senior people 
are multiple and multiple levels removed from where the work gets done. Yeah. And he talked sort of not directly, but about flattening that or getting closer to the decision making. So it's, so it's trust, it's engage the teams, go at the lowest level possible, but also flatten, I think. Mm -hmm. Right. And the thing is we, right. We go back to perceptions people have from previous places that they've worked is that there's so many systems people have been in where that system has worked to get each other to, to protect themselves, right. Of, the people at the top think the developers are sandbagging, but the developers are sandbagging because they always get squeezed by the people at top. So it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of nobody's comfortable telling the truth because the truth gets them in trouble. But when you remove that and trust people and understand that people really want to do a good job, right. like nobody goes to work and says, I want to do a crappy job today. Right. I want to go lie to everybody. And tell them, yeah, I know it's 10, but I'm going to tell you it's 20 just because that's going to be fun for me, right? People want to do a good job. They are prideful in the work they do and who they are. And if you just trust that and know that and give them the space to do that, then everything works out. It's it's funny how we, we add complexity. Very often, I don't say this as a consultant or a coach, but I want to sometimes, but I encounter larger organizations and, and they always say it's like the complexity is is sort of you know, a direct, you know, relationship to it. They have to be complex. They have to have multiple levels. They have to have three project managers right. that, that run around after the team. They have to have metric systems, this, you know, that have a thousand data point dashboards right. and stuff. And you, you get complacent and it's like, what about, no, you could solve that. You know, so we have a hundred people working on that problem. You know, you might actually be able to solve that with 10 people. Right. Like one team. If you just stop with all the BS that you're layering on a top. But but it, pulling people away from the historical layer, the dependency on complexity is incredibly hard. So it's the organizational layers become mm-hmm. baggage, right? But it's just, it's we were talking about regulations yesterday and uh, right, regulated systems, and that makes it complex. Or HR, oh, we can't do it because of HR. Mm-hmm. Or we can't do Agile because of this. I, it's it's we can't do it because of us. Mm-hmm. Right? We can't do it because our brains are getting in our way. Right. right. Uh, another question that I don't think we talked about uh, a little bit, maybe. But what qualities make a great leader at any level of a lean agile organization? So just just talk about qualities, like, and why don't we go back and forth? Why don't you pick one and then I'll pick one or something? Some of our favorites. So what are what are critical qualities of leaders? Um, I think consistency is a big one. Oh, go give me more. Right. That, that, um, you know what you're going to get when you go to somebody. So maybe you're a developer that I work with and I know I can always come and ask Bob a question and Bob's not going to fly off the handle and say, you dummy, leave me alone or come back or whatever. You always respond the same way. So I know how to engage you to help me learn and grow. Not that, well, Bob's having a bad day or he haven't, hasn't had his coffee yet, so don't so talk would, to him. I would have never gone there. I, I mean, I'm not saying it's a bad one, but my brain doesn't go there. And uh, But you're selling me on it. You know who I'm thinking of who's very Metacasters? I apologize in advance for the political nature of this <laughs> this comment. But Trump yeah. is one of – whether you like him or not, he's – I've seen him have the same uh, speech – 
like in two days, he's talked about the thing in Virginia or whatever, mm-hmm. and he was reading from teleprompters and he sounded presidential. And then the next day, he sounded like a raving lunatic and he was pumping up his bass. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and then I saw someone who was commenting about uh, other country uh, spy agencies, mm-hmm. right? Intelligence in other countries and how they, they're probably taking a different look at us and Trump because of the cons- inconsistency. Right. Because now there's all this, very, you don't know with Obama, whether you like him or not, it was a narr- he was more presidential. There was a narrower band of responses. Mm-hmm. With Trump, if you look at the, the band of responses, right. it's like incredibly wide. Right. Yeah. And you just don't know what you're going to get. Right. And so you've sold me uh, on that. Again, I'm not trying to make the political point. But I, uh, that's a good one. Uh, so consistency is, I can see that a lot. Yeah, because it matters because that builds that safe place. Exactly. Right, of I know I can go there and I'm not going to fear backlash. Well, it relates like to that. safety. It relates right. to reliability. Right. right? It, it relates to trust. I trust that, that right. I'm going to get these responses. So I brought mine up yesterday, courage, mm-hmm. I, I think. And it's not just a word. I, I see so many leaders... I'm just going to say it. There's a, there's a lack of courage in mm-hmm. leadership in, in the U.S. There's a, there's people, and I can get, I'll give people a break. The folks with kids who maybe need to go to college or who, you know, who are struggling, you know, with their, with their finances or need their finances. I, I get the fact that you don't want to put yourself at risk. Mm-hmm. But when you sign up to be a leader, you, you have to take some semblance yeah. of risk encourage you have to speak truth you cannot not be a leader mm-hmm. and then not speak truth to power do you know what i'm saying yeah and, were, and, and it's just it's rampant yeah and and the other thing is it's lack of self-awareness mm-hmm. so the folks they think they're courageous and they're not courageous yeah. um reactive so yeah so i agree completely and admittedly it's hard right because there have been times in my career um and a lot of times at the dude because we were going through this transition into becoming a real technology company of, of we were this one thing and now we're trying to become this, this other thing. And I'm at the forefront of trying to make that happen, but I'm trying to drive this change from the inside out. So there were so many times where I'd be like, Oh, well shit, I got to go stir the pot and it's not going to be good, but that's my job. And I always come back to, that's what they hired me to do. They hired me to come in and bring change. And that change isn't easy. And it doesn't happen if you roll over the first time things get hard. It's your responsibility to the team and the job they hired you to do to have those difficult discussions and to challenge the things that have been the same way for however many years. Right. Yep. But that's the, but that's, that's hard. That's scary. Cause you know, people aren't going to like it. It's different than what they've done for a decade. And, and you've got to be that guy that keeps raising the flag of, listen, this isn't good enough. If we want to be this and everybody nods their head, yeah, we do really want to be this. Then we can't keep doing that. It's the, it's a character. You have a character and, and it's, I mean, again, I'm empathetic. Very often the people that hired you that ask you to be a change agent really don't want you to be a change agent. (laughs) Right. Right. So, so I get it. And then the first time you try to be a change, they'll push back and then you're like, Oh, now what do I do? We have to push through. That's that's what you're there to do, right. uh, not to get fired. That's not the point. But your point is to lead. Your right. point is to take risks and and to support your teams. So. And to me, in the role that you play so often, I feel like you have to do that more. Oh, as an external consultant, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's 
and it's hard to, um, I even find that my own principles, so I have a partnership with Zenergy, mm-hmm. and we have clients, so I have client, I have Bob Galen client engagements, so we have a client now, and it's sort of funny, I'll try to dance around it a little bit, but we have a client now, uh, and it's through Zenergy, and if it was myself, I would, I might even leave them mm-hmm. at this point, if, if that makes, not, not that leaving is the point, but I don't know if they're serious enough yeah. about their commitment to agility. Yeah. Uh, but I can't force Zenergy to do that. Now, yeah, I'm not no, saying, you've got to understand the bigger business and all it, the other. It, there it, are it, different it, pressures for an organization like that versus a person of one. Exactly. So, and, and I'm not, I'm not judging either one. They're not bad. Yeah. But, and I've told them this. And I'm literally like, you know, I'm okay. I'll go along for the ride. But this is getting a little untenable. But it's that courage, it's that, it's that point. Context matters with that. Uh, but we've had hard conversations. Now, not quite as hard. Again, it mm-hmm. depends, it depends on the individuals mm-hmm. and how comfortable you are with stuff like that. I remember I was once interviewing with a consulting firm, Agile Coaching, called a consulting firm. I probably told you this. And, uh, as a coach and one, and they were interviewing me hard. Uh, and I'm not sure I was passing muster, but they were, they were, you know, really interviewing me, critiquing me and my background. Uh, and, and it was one of those unfair balances. So it was like a thousand questions. And then, right. Do you have any, you know, we have one minute left. Do you have right. any question? Yeah. So I'm, I'm racking my brain to figure out, well, I've only got one question. So I better make it a good one. And I was like, have you ever walked away from business? Mm-hmm. And the answer was no, we've never, you know, so in five years of doing agile consulting, we've never met a client that we wouldn't take their money from. We wouldn't take money from them. Right. Uh, whether they were ready or not. And that was my point. It's like, even if you know that they're not ready for agile, if they don't have the, so the, the courage to walk away sometimes mm-hmm. is powerful as well. Uh, but they didn't, they didn't have that. And so even if they would, even if I would have passed muster, uh, and they off, and I told them this and, and I, they didn't like that and they didn't like the feedback, mm-hmm. but, but I wouldn't have joined them. Uh, it's, there's got to, you have to, you have to have that courage to tell truth, I mm-hmm. think, uh, as a consultant. Right. And, and not just blow smoke. Right. I mean, it's even more important to your point. Mm-hmm. So that's two. Uh, so pick another one. What do you think? Favorite? Care. You've got to care. I'm going to stick with C's. Oh, you got to care. You're like, you're like shooting them freaking out. And they're unexpected to me and you're shooting them out of the park. What's up with you? So I'm it, cheating. It's from a book I was forced to read a long time ago. Really? Yeah. You're, you shouldn't have said that. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just, I was like putting you up on a pedestal, Josh. I was like, oh my God, he's, what is this thoughtfulness? What is this, like, this skill, this repartee? And then boom, he's back, you're back to Josh. Thanks. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. So care, give, so give, care. give us so, more. So to me, the thing, as I think back in my life, the people that affected me most, I felt they really cared. Teachers, coaches, friends, neighbors, you felt like they were investing in you. And it wasn't that they always told you what you wanted to hear. You knew they cared when they told you what you needed to hear. That's, that's the big thing is that understanding and, and knowing that they care and feeling that they care, even when they tell you the thing you don't want to hear, yep. but you need to hear it. And they're telling you that because they really, if they didn't care, then they wouldn't tell you. Like I've, I, my son has a baseball coach that he really struggled with the first year that he played with him because he was on his butt every play. And it didn't matter if he 
was the one that made the mistake. It was Josh's fault. And he's <laughs> like, Dad, I don't understand yep. why I'm getting in trouble when the right fielder exactly. didn't throw the ball to me. Right? Like, I was in the spot I was supposed to be. And I said, Buddy, listen, you got to understand this guy sees the potential in you and understands yep. that you can be good. And the thing that I've learned in time is that when coaches stop yelling at you, yep. you're tapped out. Yep. Right. So they've already decided I can't get this guy any better. Right. Yep. He's as good as he's going to, and I can yell all I want and it's not going to matter. I said, listen, the coach doesn't want to yell at you. Right. But he's telling you the things you need to hear so you can yep. become the player he thinks you can be. And he only does that because he cares. Yep. If he didn't care, he wouldn't waste a breath on you. In, in, we talked about radical candor, a couple metacasts. That's a book mm-hmm. and a technique for communication. And her, one of her dimensions that she, she has a quadrant, but one of her dimensions is care. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, so coupled with giving people radical candor is, do you care? Mm-hmm. So if you don't care, you're just being an ass. I think they actually, the, the, <laughs> the other side, you're, you're, yeah. you're an ass, right? right? So you're just being an obnoxious ass or something mm-hmm. like that. But if you really care, that's, that's that dimension where you're really, I'm, I'm, I care about you enough that I want to invest the energy because, mm-hmm. because giving that, giving that radical candor is hard, right? And it's dangerous and it's risky, but I want to, I want to give it. I want, to your point, the coach, I care. And if you, and if you stop doing that, that that's more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Uh, third C, can I, can I have a fourth C? I've got a fifth C coming too. No, you, you've, oh my, I'm not going to, you're going to outsee me. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say character. Okay. Um, and part of it is to match your C for C, <laughs> but part of it is, is, is honest. Uh, I think walking our talk, mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly important. Uh, there's like that management by walking around and walking our talk and talking about it when it's under stress or not. Uh, people read, I, I learned a long time ago that people read your, even your body language as a leader. Uh, years ago, I had folks, uh, someone approach me and they thought, you know, we were going to get layoffs or something because I was sick and I had visited mm. the HR department, but I didn't say anything, but they were reading my body language. Mm-hmm. I was hunched over. I was, and, and they, they were like, well, when's the layoffs going to hit? And I'm right. like, and I'm like, dude, I'm freaking sick. Yeah. Like, well, you met with Greg, the VP of HR, and you know, he's a freaking headhunter. So I, we all know, we all know he's heartless, right? right? They're reading the tea leaves. They're reading the tea leaves. Yeah. And I'm like, and and I'm like no, no, it's it's okay. But but the point of of that was not that story. I learned that people pay it like your words matter. Mm-hmm. Every your inflection matters. Your consistency matters. Your walking your talk really really matters to people. You you want to and you can set that example. It, maybe part of that character is leading by example, mm-hmm. right? It's it's I and I try not to expect people to to do things that I wouldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll talk about courage when I, like I do leadership workshops. I try not to be this, this jerk that tells people to do things that they wouldn't do themselves. Right. I, I try to really be honest with, you know, if I say something, I, I try to provide an example where I've done it. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I'm not putting myself up. I'm just saying, I understand that it's hard, but we have to walk our talk. Right. Uh, what do you got? Your C. Competent. Oh, yeah, or right, sell me on that. Right. So you just have to, you have to be able to, you can have character, 
you can care, you can be consistent. But at the end of the day, you don't really know what you're talking about. Yeah. It's all going to fall flat. Yeah. Right? Like if that if that coach that's yelling at my son yeah. really doesn't know how to make him hit the ball better, my son's going to detect that and be like, whatever, dude. You know, so it's that same thing of of you have to have the chops. Maybe the chops is the better word for chops it. Chops is the better word. Right. But right. you got to you have to have those chops to where you can have that discussion and coach that person in the direction that they need to be coached. And if you're just spewing words, People see right through that, right? People recognize when you really know what you're talking about. So my, I think we have the five C's yeah. of, of actual leadership or something. Where you just thought we, we I know I've we would be we would be plagiarizing yeah, whatever gosh. book you're referencing yeah. or something. But I like that. Let's see. Do we have time for one more question? Uh, I, I I think we need to wrap it up. Do we need to wrap it? We need to wrap it up. I think we hit the good ones, though. The yeah, ones that we absolutely. didn't touch yesterday and we shared. Yeah. All right, then. Let's wrap this sucker up. Yeah. Shall uh, we? From one agile leader to another agile leader. <laughs> Whatever that be. I don't know where that came from. I didn't know what I was supposed to say. In I don't know. To that. No. So from beautiful downtown Raleigh, North Carolina, or the outskirts of Raleigh, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen. And I'm Josh Anderson. Shake. And bake. Take care, y'all.